Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. The grooming industry is one side of pet care that really doesn't get a lot of notice. And so today we're really excited to have Brian Taylor, the dog father, owner of Harlem Doggy Day Spa on to talk about how he runs his salon, the importance of setting sticky services like packages and multiple ways to care for your clients, as well as where the biggest growth opportunities are moving forward in the pet care space. We caught up with Brian on a very busy day for him, so the audio is coming directly from his salon, so you may hear some dogs barking in the background, but there is so much to take in from this interview, so I hope you have your pen and pencils ready. Let's get started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. My name is Brian Taylor. Most people know me as a dog father Harlem. I own a small business in Harlem called Harlem Doggy Day Spa where we offer all services from grooming, daycare, dog walking, boarding services, pet transportation, and a mobile grooming services. I have a staff of six to eight, depending on what we need, and they help me run this business. We typically service over three to $500 a month, depending on what services pet parents want. But my true passion is dog grooming. Um, I'm, I'm a good groomer. I've been grooming for a long time. And my second passion is just connecting people to the love of animals. So I find ways to do activities around animal and people. And, um, and so far, I've been successful for the last 11 years, going on 12. Now, that's a really long time to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. What got you yeah. started? What got you started in grooming? Well, it was by accident, actually. And when I think about it all the time, it was like the most, the, the accident that saved me in so many different ways. Um, I was a banker turned dog groomer. So basically, I originally invested in an uh, ex partner of mine business. And while she was running the business out of her home, I was talking to her like, hey, we should open this business for the Harlem community. And at that time, there weren't any animal services that's owned and operated by African-Americans in Harlem. So I wanted to venture out and just offer this unique services, keep it very uh, neighborhood-centric, and, and then build from there. Um, we got into it in a year and a half. I had to take over the business. Things didn't work out as planned. You know, sometimes passion and actually true work, it's different. And, you know, there's lines that got crossed and we just, we couldn't, we couldn't work anymore. So I made a emotional, but very uh, confident decision that I wanted to take over the business. I fell in love with what I was doing. I was passionate about every aspect of it. So right when I noticed that um, we weren't going to work long term, I went to school and I became a dog groomer. And then after that, I took a lot of dog training courses and I started to learn the business from in and out. I go to all the road shows, all the expos, I would connect with other groomers and I would work with her and just learn as much as I possibly can while we were working together. So when uh, we went our separate way in 2013, I just knew at that moment that I can take this business to the next level. Mm. And ever since then, I've been running it. And you said a phrase there that I really liked. You want to keep the business neighborhood-centric. You want to keep it focused on the Harlem area. Mm. Why was that so important to you? Because there was no such thing like that at that moment. Yes, there was a couple of dog walkers. There's a couple of pet sitters that were doing that at home. They weren't doing at our level where we were servicing anywhere between three to 500 dogs. We always serviced that amount of dogs because I never wanted to be a big, big business. I wanted to focus on the customer and the need and being very convenient for our clients. We're right next to the train station. We opened the longest hours at that time. And at the same time, we did customized services. Everyone never really had the same service some people wanted daycare for a couple of days and um dog walking for a couple of days so we created packages that customized to the working pet parent so when you say essential to the community we wanted to give back to the community so i've always had an obvious um you know internship when i had kids who were interested in the animals to come into a facility and you know work as an intern and 
or work as as a way to learn a new skill set. You know, they wanted to get into the pet industry. Our clients, our clients has always been supportive. Every time we needed to do something, like, you know, I needed to raise, you know, money towards, um, you know, picking up poop um, from the city streets because pet parents didn't have access to bags. So we created No Poop Left Behind campaign. And we were able to raise over three to five thousand dollars on GoFundMe in 2013 to have people in a poop station in Harlem. So I'm always finding a way, like, you know what, I have a business. How can I get more people who love what I'm doing and the services that I offer to then be involved in my business? So that was always been my thing from the beginning. Mm. I think many of us want to have passionate clients and a passionate community that support us and, and help our own business. How do you stay engaged with the people in, in your community? You, you be very transparent and you be very vulnerable. You open up. Most of my clients that come here, my top clients, they know who I am. I know what they do. I know a little bit about them, so their personal lives. And I also know about their dogs and I find ways to connect them and their dogs. And I make it very special for them. Like, you know, I've done birthday parties for pet parents, but for while their dog is here, you know what I mean? And I will share it. I will, I will send them report cards. I make them special because I know whenever they go in their pocket to spend the money at my facility, I want them to see the value. Mm. And that's what it is. Just really focus on the value. So that's why we, from the beginning, through when social media was such a, a beginning stage on Facebook, on, on um, you know, uh, YouTube and all this, I started doing content. I did content and I made it very focused on the pet parent that service us. You had a background in, in banking and that, yeah. I, I'm curious how that influences how you run your business and how you approach problem solving and all that stuff. Yeah, I think banking was such a big deal. I think in banking, what they taught us, it was, you know, when you're in the consumer and the banking, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with consumers. You're trying to figure out what products or services that matches, um, you know, what the bank has to offer. So there was time they call walking, work in the lobby. So what that means is when you walk into a bank, you have this bank teller or this banker come like, hey, man, how can I help you? Oh, I just want to do a transaction. Sure, I can help you do that transaction. Then they take you in. They sit you down, they verify all your information, make sure your contact numbers is correct, make sure, you know, that all your accounts are linked up properly and you're not getting any fees. And then they'll do the transaction for you. But those few moments of just they're speaking to you, they're building rapport with you, they look in through your account to verify and that what information that is correct. And also it's called KYC, know your customer. They're also finding opportunities where they can say, hey, you know what? I noticed you just got this large sum of money in your account. Um, what are your plans for this? Are you uh, buying a car? Are you are you looking to, to invest in this money? Or are you looking for down payment towards a property? So you look at these all these opportunities and you set them up. So that's why in, in, in the dog business, I had a really good operating system. I use Ginger. Ginger app helps me through all aspects of my business. Um, I collect all customer information. I collect their credit card information. I get a little bit of demographic information from them. I get the pet's birthday. And also, I really track how they spend money with us, how often they come with us, and our future expense and revenue. So I build my business around packages because packages gives me an estimate estimate of what potential income I'm going to earn in the next two, three, four months because people buy packages and just like gym membership and all the spaces, people just want a lump sum of money they'll pay you for. And then from there, they want to forget about it. So I build my business about those services. And from that point on, I can almost predict when the client uses my services. And that helps me run a better business. So I'm not just dealing, you know, handling the dogs and, and being a groomer. Every client has some type of, I call it, um, when I look at my clients, I do, right now I do a lot of segments. And I can, we can talk about that a little bit later. Well, every client plays a role on the bottom line, you know? And I look at a client that do multiple services as a client. 
If you're just coming in and you're doing a one-off grooming, a one-off daycare, a one-off boarding, yes, you're a potential, but you're not a client yet. But when you're doing daycare, you're doing grooming, you're doing boarding, you're a client. So I look for ways to honor and and just continue to appreciate you spending the most of money of money to my business. Mm. So that's what I learned from banking that I implemented in my business. No, I've I've never thought about that about that process because yeah, when you, you you feel as a client or a customer when you go to the bank, you feel really taken care of. You feel like this person knows me, they mm-hmm. understand me, they're anticipating my next move, my next need, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. kind of revolving everything around me in that moment. And it really does make yeah. it like it, it gives you a really special feeling to know this person is is putting that level of care into thinking about me. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, if you look at it now when at that time, they were offering you direct deposit. You can get a credit card for overdraft protection. You can set up online banking. They call those sticky services. Those mm-hmm. sticky services keep you at the bank because if your money is going to this bank, you're probably not going to switch your direct deposit because you're going to mess up your money. <laughs> so that's what I focus on. I, I think of ways where I can be of multiple services for a client. You know, I do pickup services, I offer grooming, I offer daycare, and I offer boarding services. I send you report cards. I honor your, your dog's birthday. I do a birthday party for your dog at times. I mean, I don't sell food like I used to, but you know what? I tell you about all the offers and coupons that you know, some of these sites are having, you know, I do content around your job. I make you feel special that every time we spend five, nine, a thousand, fifteen hundred to to my services, that is going somewhere to help build the business. That may sound like a lot to keep track of for somebody listening listening to this. I know, I know, I know it does. (laughs) It really does. Especially what the the, the challenges in, in our industry is that we have a lot of people that are very passionate about animals, but just don't have enough savviness in terms of running a business. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that if it's going to be a dog business or bakery business, there's certain things that you need to understand. And the most and most important thing is your business cycle. And I feel like a lot of dog owners and a lot of one-off pet business do not understand the business cycle enough. So, and they don't know how to ask for the money. They don't know how to engage their client so that their client will see them as a value. You know, my clients see me as the dog father, but they also see me as a reliable nanny, a reliable groomer, a reliable person that they know whatever happens in their life in terms of their dogs. I'm the person. Like, you know what? During the pandemic, I actually, they really saw me as more of a value and, and not because of all the great things that I've done. One thing that really got me was one of my clients getting me up. It's like, Brian, I think I got COVID. And if anything happens to me today or anytime, I'm telling my family to give you my dog. And that speaks so much volume to them. I'm like, damn, I have all these other dogs, but I really love that dog in particular. And I felt so honored for her to even think of me as the next caretaker of an animal mm. if something happens to her personally. So those are the type of value you should be leaving to your client. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can get 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com forward slash confessional. You mentioned the one word there, reliable, as, as far as being able yeah. to be predicted. People can, can they know, they trust that you're going to be there. How, how else do you describe the, the Harlem, Harlem Doggy Daycare Spa as far as a brand or how you want to be viewed in the community? Honestly, now I think a lot of things are changing. What I'm really focused on is deepening the relationship with the clients who are paying the bottom line. We talked a little bit about segment. So I, I really focus on segmenting my clients more and more just based on how often they come in, how much money they spend, where they're located, what type of breed of dogs that they have. 
Um, so it helps me get a sense of, you know, when they're going to use our business and who are valuable and who at the end of the year, when I decide to raise my prices or when I decide to make major changes that they will be considered purged. You know, they're not going to use our services because they're at the bottom and they're not really there. It's just convenient for them. So just to get a sense of that and really cater to our clients who are the best, but also have priorities, also have boundaries, and also make sure that you charge for everything that they ask for, but, you know, explain it in a way that there's a value towards doing that. Those are the ways where, um, you know, Harlem Doggy Day Spies looked at differently. Um, mm-hmm. It's not about money for me anymore. It's about really doing that type of level of services that I'm, I'm proud of. That at the end of the day, there's people satisfied because they know that the dog is, is being taken care of. And then I like to have fun. I have fun with dogs all the time. So I do all type of TikToks, all these fun things. So the idea is that when they're at brunch or when they're with their family or when they're at dog park, like, look at my dog. Look what's happening with my dog in this doggy daycare that I go to. I don't have to pay for advertising because these different content that I create is my advertising. Where do you come up for your ideas for those videos yeah. and for the content? <laughs> I just, you know what? You know what? I think, you know, so let me let me even break it down for you. So I went to school. So I went to school and I wanted to be a film director. So I love content. So I'm looking at all the Instagram reels. I'm looking at all the content that's out there. I'm looking at what works, what doesn't work. And then I just, I'm snapping picture and video every moment of the day. And then I go and filter through all that stuff. And I say, okay, this is good. That's good. This works. That doesn't work. But I just try to be authentic. I don't try to force it. And I just have fun doing it. Sometimes some of it works. Some of it doesn't work, but what is every single dog that's in these pictures are clients who use our services, they're happy, and they love us, and they love the fact that we highlight their dogs. It makes their day, so it's easier then on their part to want to support us. Yeah, yeah, and I like that idea of just constantly being taking photos and videos and being vigilant of what's going on around you, because when it comes down to the wire and you're like, oh, I've got to post something, it's 8 a.m., I'm missing something, and you try and force something to happen that's when it usually goes mm-hmm. off the rails, right? And it's not going to have the impact that you want. No, no, definitely. But honestly, it's it's a fun time to be in the pet industry now. I tell, I tell all my groomer friends this question. I was like, listen, when you break down the pet industry, you got to look at it this way. So on the uh, if you look at a pie, on the client side, the most trusted people that they trust is a veterinarian. They trust the vet out of all of the people. The next part that they spend the most amount of money is retail, which is food, um, leashes, collars, whatever. They spend money, they have to spend money on food, right? But the biggest opportunity is service. At the end of the day, when you add value, service can go a long way. You know, they only see the vet once or twice a year. They need to buy food every single month. So that that bucket is probably 40 to 50 dollars but service when you can connect to clients it's 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 off the room like grooming average groomer in new york i, I charge about 90 as a startup for dog grooming so 90 times that four times a year you know that's almost close to 500 dollars in just grooming dog daycare two or three times my daycare price is 52 dollars a day for one day 235 um for five days of daycare you add that up an average client can make you can charge close to five thousand dollars a year you you know what i'm saying so when when i when i talk to my google friends i'm saying listen no matter if you're here in new york or you're in alabama anywhere the biggest opportunity where pet parents can make the most money comes from being a pet professional and I think that Guma has the, the biggest opportunity because you can create more content, you deal with more dogs, you interact with more people. And then most groomers, groomers, dog trainers, and anyone that takes care of animals, like in the capacity of being a pet sitter, you have wealth of knowledge. 
You know, you can touch base on food. You can touch base on grooming. You can touch base on training. You can touch base on what's the best veterinaries you to use or if this happens to my dog, whatever, because you're around the dog the most. So being that at that point, if you act, if you create yourself, if you become the thought leader in your space, you know, people will come to you for information and they will trust what you're saying in your recommendation that gives you the opportunity to again say, you know what? This open more doors for me to to be able to to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of groomers and a lot of you know pet individual pet people, dog walkers, sometimes um, you know pet sitters. They only see themselves as just one dimension. I'm a pet sitter. I'm a dog walker, or I do dog walking and pet sitting. And they don't look at the full scope of what the pet industry is and where the money actually comes and where people are spending the money. So I look at it that way and I try to make sure that I know every aspect of the business just enough. But at the same time, what I'm good at, I try to make sure that I create a space around that, that people see me as thought leaders. I, I, you know, I do interviews like this. I write articles all the time. I collaborate with other brands. I work with startup um, brands and I just find ways to just put myself in front of different audience. And that's how it helps grow my business and help grow my personal brand. It is about connecting. I know that's a lot, right? <laughs> it's it's I'm really sorry. No, no, I absolutely love love all of that because I think you're right. I think many times not only do we like we can get very myopic in like what our day to day operations of where we can get focused of where our struggles are and what mm-hmm. we're dealing with and kind of forget to look at the broader picture of holistically yeah. what are the pet care needs for this individual and we might not have to be experts with each of those but knowing just enough to to direct and then as as you've experienced and many of us do you become that central hub that of resource for that for that pet parent exactly. you, they, they start trusting you for advice and for mm-hmm. information and then and then mm-hmm. you have that that there's a it's that stickiness with that client that you've talked about mm-hmm. yeah so most of my groomer friends and most of my, my clients, they come to me, hey, Brian, what's your best recommendation for this? What's your best recommendation? And I help. And I, and I be helpful and I support. Because at the end of the day, the universe then support me when I need to do something. You said one of your, your biggest passion was for grooming. And so I want to dive into that a little bit and talk about... Mm-hmm. You know how how you describe your your style of grooming and what you really like mm-hmm. most about it. Well, my philosophy around grooming is two. One is, if a dog doesn't come in like a show groomer, I'm not going to let the dog leave as a show groomer. Not because I don't want to. It's just a safety thing, you know. So that means I set realistic expectations for my clients when their dog are not on regular routine schedule. I don't try to overdo something. And I don't try to, um, you know, under deliver. I just do just enough so that they can get on my schedule. Then I can over deliver down the line. My second thing is the one I love the most is that dogs to me are a canvas. Um, when I'm grooming a dog, I never know how that dog's going to look at the end. I just know for sure that I'm going to groom this dog and this dog's going to look fabulous. So that's what I'm very passionate about. And sometimes I do get burnt out because sometimes this job, the more I get to this, I get on machine mode sometimes and I want to do a lot. And then sometimes I just, I, I take time back. I'm like, oh, what have I learned? What, what can I be better at? Um, I, I'm inspired by the grooming world because you have, you know, you got the groomers who are very like, they're, you know, They've done all these different shows. They, they do top-notch grooming and all that, which is great. But I'm very inspired about the everyday groomer and touching lives of the everyday people. So when I groom, I really focus on doing that top-notch grooming for the everyday people. But at a, at, a, at a pace where, you know, we have a plan in place. You know, I'm not giving you all of that up when I don't understand your animal behavior. I don't know about your dog's coat. And I don't know about what what your schedule is like in terms of getting your dog regularly groomed. So all these conversations, all this rapport building happens within the couple of sessions. And then I can say, you know what, this is what my recommendation right, in keeping your dog on a regular schedule. But also most of the content that I do 
comes from those dogs that are on my regular schedule, mm. that they love what I do and I love who they, the dogs are. And I can groom a dog on live any day of the week, anytime, and never have a problem. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that grooming process and how it really resembles. There's that quote by uh, Michelangelo talking about whenever he would do a sculpture, he believed the sculpture is already in the marble. I just have to uncover it through my process. Nice. I like that. And, and to, like to, that. to hear how you're like, well, there's a, there's a, there's something under here that I'm going to uncover that. And it's going to be different and unique ever, slightly every single time. I, I can imagine mm-hmm. that amount of creativity going into a dog. I mean, you said like that, that must be exhausting at times to be kind of creative for, you know, mm-hmm. 12 hours a day. No, no, no. So I've cut back on the grooming. So I, I make it fun and love. Like today I'm grooming a lot today because one of my groomers called out. So I took over a session instead of cancel those appointments. Um, yeah, it gets exhausting. And it gets, especially in the summer months, it can burn out. You can be very burned out from the whole concept. But mm. overall, it's so exciting when, when you see the dog personality change when they're groomed. And you also feel the energy from how much the dog feel like you, you service them. And then, you know, the pet parents, um, they you know, nine out of 10 at the time really appreciate, you know, what you have done. You also offer uh, a mobile grooming service, if I'm, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. How did that get started? And what's it like running um, and managing that? <laughs> that is a really, it's, it's like, it's the icing on a cake that is good and could be bad. <laughs> it's been several times yes mobile grooming during the pandemic was awesome i mean we're still in the pandemic but those few months it was really good the challenges for me is that it's finding quality groomers that really have a passion for grooming and most time we're in a stage and in, in this we're, we're in this era right now where everybody wants to be an entrepreneur or petpreneur and everybody wants to start their own business they don't have the formal training they don't understand pricing they don't understand how to operate the business so they don't want to work with anybody else they want to figure it out on their own and no one really 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 tapped into you know giving people the right proper steps in terms of being a a, a boss and at the same time have finding time for your personal self so the challenges with mobile grooming is that when it's good, it's good. When you grab people to run it and you're doing it, it's good. I have a whole business that, <laughs> you know, that we do all the services. So sometimes I can't even be in there. I have to make sure I'm in the salon doing something, helping out some way. So, you know, there's been several times when I have to let the van sit because I couldn't find quality people to run it and do the type of services that reflects me. I'm sure it must mean a lot of like last minute changes or issues that come up with that mobile service. What's it, what's it like ha- dealing or how do you handle like last minute problems or issues as they come up? The best way to, the best way to handle any last minute problem issue is to communicate up front. That's what I'm really good at with my client. A newsletter. It's not me selling you book an appointment. It's like, Hey guys, this is what we got going on this month. A lot of this stuff are happening. Hey, you know, we're having a little issue with mobile grooming, but we're going to try to fit you in. If we can't get you in there, we're going to get you in the shop. You know, I'm, I'm setting the expectation up front, letting them know I have challenges in this area, but my home base is still good. How can I still accommodate you? You know, I don't wait till last minute for things to blow up on me. And when I do, and when things like that do happen, they're okay with it because I'm good on my word. So that's where the trust comes in. So like, yeah, if, if I can't run a van, like today, I couldn't run the shop properly because my, my one of my groomers, her dog's sick and she can't come to work. And I still got to groom those nine dogs. I can easily like, hey, miss, I'm so sorry. I've already told you two months ago, I need you to be on this you know, this, this routine now, you, I can't, I cannot do this today. I have to find, I have to cancel all your appointments. No, I'm a groomer. I can go in there and I can groom all those dogs. And I let them know like, Hey, Sam, you know, my groom is out today, but don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. 
So, hey, the van can come out today. Don't worry about it. I got a car. I'm going to have somebody pick up this dog. So I just find ways around it because at the end of the day, it's the expectation. When parents put in their planners, especially the ones who put in their planners, listen, you know, today I'm going to get my nails and my feet done while Fluffy is getting groomed. That has to still happen. So that's what it is. But as a one-man team, it's challenging. But that's what it comes back to. Just keep communicating with your clients. And it's okay to cancel, but make it up. Find ways to make it up to them. And they'll appreciate you more because they know you're human. Well, many of us may have fears of trying to let, feel like we're letting people down, right? Whenever something breaks no. or our schedule, right? Like, oh, I, oh, I don't want to tell this person that I'm, I, they're going to be really upset with me. That makes it worse. Yeah. That makes it worse. I, you know, we have a luxury of clients, but we don't have a luxury of, of really messing up. Because you mess up too many times, you're going to have a name behind you. Mm. And that's it. And when that reputation is messed up, you have to work three times as hard to keep your reputation. That's what you have to focus on. But you can't please anyone. And the other challenges, too, is I tell people this all the time, right? If your client base doesn't have repeat customer, you're not building a business. Because mm. if you have a lot of new people in your book of business, right? You know, I say the magic number is 200 for all business. I just love that 200. And this is why. Um, if you're not at like 70, 20, like 70, 30, right? I say 70, 20 because I'm going to say 10%. Because 10% is going to be a little bit more uh, like, you know, like I would say waiting list or, you know, throw a dog in there if you're too slow or whatever. If your book of business should be 70% repeat customer, you have regular repeat customers regularly, you know, then I'm going to say 20% is new. You always want to keep getting new clients. Got to keep getting new clients. I say 10% is that in between that. Oh, I missed my appointment. Oh, I'm a good client, but things are not. I can't be on a schedule. Or you know, um, I've groomed all these dogs. I can throw in an extra dog in there. Is that that gray area of people where could potentially be really good client or could be really bad client that you get rid of? <laughs> so I feel like you have that good space. What I'm starting to see now, you see a lot of people have more new clients. Then really good, consistent client. Then your bottom line is not being paid because you always got to be focused on that new client. You're not pre-booking, you're not getting them on a schedule. So then guess what's happening? You get a lot of dogs who misbehave. They're not used to the grooming. They go six months in and not being groomed. And now you have this challenge. So just like in grooming, daycare, dog walking, and pet sitting, all of that needs to have a good mixture of Clients who are retention, they're your ride or die. You can say, you know what, damn, I got to pay $5,000 worth of taxes. Let me just do a package. Let me do a fire sale right now and see if I can just have people pay for advanced services. Mm-hmm. If you can't pull up $5,000 from your book of business for advanced services, which all businesses do it one way or the other with coupons, then you need to rebuild your business around retention. And does that, and that happens through the way you interact with them, right? You set those expectations and you, and you, you, you serve them. Yeah. You service them, you know, and you say, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be perfect, but if something happens, guess what? Feel free to call me, text me, email me. This, this email right here only comes to my phone. So if you don't get me, email me. And that eliminates a lot of your issues when it comes to reviews. I, I hurry up have bad reviews because I've set those expectations up front. I deal with those reviews before it goes out. Mm. Yeah, that's really, I love that way that you think about that is deal with the review before you get it by setting those expectations, yeah. communicating, and then and then excelling so that you don't get mm-hmm. those. Uh, when, mm-hmm. when you've gotten less than stellar reviews, how do you process those? Uh, in the past, I used to get so mad and I would <laughs> block them. I used to get so emotional. I mean, what I realized is that take your emotional out. Those Bad reviews actually gives you an opportunity to be a good business. Mm. So 
the people who read those bad reviews and see that you're not emotional, you're professional, and you're acknowledging that you did wrong, or even if you didn't do wrong, you're stating what happened and let people make their own decision. In a court of opinions, people are going to like those reviews, or people are not going to like those reviews. People are going to want to use your services, and people don't care. So you want to answer those reviews, take their emotional, be professional, you know, talk about your policies if you have them, if you messed up. Be honest and be real. Like, hey, you know, but just take the emotion out of it and just say what it is. At the end of the day, we're in a space in this pet industry. There's so much client and half of our clients don't even read that stuff. <laughs> they don't. And the ones that do, be very careful with them. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do do you find do you have a lot of overlap of clients between your different services that you offer? I yes, know. and okay. I love that. I love that. That's what I'm saying. When a client to me is when they do daycare, boarding, and grooming. That's mm-hmm. a client. Wow. That's I'm hitting three buckets. And to me, and when I lose that, that that hurts. You know, I'm like, hey, what could I have done different to 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 not have lose you? You know. Honestly, so when I look at and, and I'm and I talk about service, obviously is multiple services, but you know, certain services bring in the clients, the grooming, bring in clients. You've seen so many people because you're grooming different dogs and all that. But now you gotta then reel them in, give them a reason for them to stay, keep them on your schedule and find ways to deepen the relationship. Yeah, by continuing to solve the problems and needs that they have in multiple ways. Exactly. Exactly. Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever as we rebuild our businesses. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member Facebook group, and more, along with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If this sounds like you, visit petsit.com slash PSC to learn more. Our listeners can save $15 off your first year membership by using promo code PSC15 at checkout. Now, you, you also offer uh, a special kind of boarding for and daycare mm-hmm. for your for your, mm-hmm. for your clients, yeah. How do you how do you make that work? I think many people that may be a, it's a, hard. A, it's so hard. <laughs> All right, it is hard. Um, so I set the expectation with my 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 handlers and um, my staff. And listen, I live with the dogs, so it's a two floor um, building, and I have a small area that's mine. So when I go on tour. I asked my staff, hey, I need one of y'all to stay over. And I paid them. I paid them good to stay over. I, I overpaid them. Because at Cage Free, what makes our Cage Free works is this. All the dogs come to doggy daycare. Only a small percentage only comes to boarding. They come in, they play, they run, and they are super active all day. And at night, they usually find a nice little corner and they sleep. All the dogs are spayed and neutered. All the dog goes to a temperament test, and I don't overdo it. I just have just enough dog. I like my ratio to be eight dogs to one um, handler. We typically have 20 to 25 dogs a day. Wow. So that way, when we will board six to eight dogs in a big space, and if we feel like these dogs don't get along with each other, we put them in different rooms. By the end of the day, every day they are tired, and I don't do more than two weeks boarding mm. because I feel like dog needs to leave the facility. Yeah. So these are the ways that, that works for me. It's in an activity-based dog daycare with an overnight stay with a staff member. Nine or ten of times when the dogs stay over, unless they're super energetic, they don't have they don't have to socialize. They're not part of the pack then we may have issues, but the issues are so slim. Most of our dogs who are boarding with us come to doggy daycare on a regular basis. 
so it solves half of the problems. Long term, when I'm looking to grow, would I do that? No, I think that this intimate set of services, it was it's good. It took me five, six years here, you know. Um, I want to get bigger. Um, it would still be where they all come to doggy daycare, and then at night, each of them would have an individual suite. So that night they slept alone, then during the day they're out of the suites and then they come and play, get fed and all that. So that's the ultimate goal. But for my intimate setting, and my, and my prices are high. So I eliminate a lot of the pet parents who are trying to nickel and dime, who want to take care of their pets, who are not consistent. Um, because at the end of the day, I only want to take care, I only want the dogs who are around me. Because they are my dogs when their parents are away. I don't have a dog. Yeah, how you have that connected with the the playtime, with the energy getting out, with the consistency in in mm-hmm. seeing them, you get to know them, and then they get to know the group too. And you have that mm-hmm. group dynamic that you can really predict. And then as mm-hmm. you, you know, as you said, I love those two words. It's it's intimate, it's small, it's it's close because you do get to know them and you can really um, mm-hmm. allow them to, you know, it, it that help that does help keep the stress down. It's not like you're trying to keep 25 dogs also overnight in addition to turn no. the day. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all part of the pack. Yeah. The parents love it. They love it. And it, it's, it's the, it pays itself. Last year, you were busy um, with a lot of things, and and one of yeah. those <laughs> was 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 traveling yeah, around the was traveling around the country and giving away free haircuts to people who who yeah. needed that. Where did that Where did that come from, and and why was that important for you to do? Wow, that's a that's an impactful question. The best way to answer is like remember I talked about how I've always find ways to connect community with my business. Yeah. That's the way I run my business. Um, you know, I have done a lot of different things. Like we used to do pool parties and BBQ with pet parents and their dogs. We invite new clients to come in the backyard. Um, we had a whole we we shut down a street in New York and we had a Halloween um fashion runway where pet parents and their dog had Halloween costume. We had councilmen come in and they became um, you know, hosts and, and guests and they judged the dogs. And we had over 75 dogs did that where they walked down the runway with their owners. And I've always, I would do, I did a black tie event with dog owners and their parents where everyone and their dog came in in black tie. Um, I, I find ways to connect people and, and do that. So um, when I saw how the pandemic was impacting everyone and when I look at my business cycle, so my business cycle is when services go up and down, you know, on the downturn of things. So really goes really up and then goes down in January, some part of February. And then it goes back up in late March when tax season comes to April and May. And I was like, man, this is the time when all those people who couldn't get their dog groomed early in the year needs to bring down this this matted coats. And and I was saying to myself, like, I see restaurants lost all their businesses, but they still feed in frontline workers. You see them going above and beyond doing all of this stuff and they don't have no money to fit the table. That inspired me. So I was like, what ways can I help my people? So I started offering a raffle services and also doing, um, you know, uh, gift cards to reopen the business. I had this other brand. I made T-shirts under with our logo where they then donate the money to my business. Uh, we had all these different things going on. But what started to happen is that pet parents started to give me the money for the grooming. And I, and I increased my price during the pandemic. Money towards grooming. They started giving me a, a tip and they gave me donations of pet parents to me. So from there, I raised over $2,000. I was like, you know what? I need to do more. So that's how it came up. It was originally the pandemic fund. And the fund was, we're going to use this money whenever someone cannot afford grooming, we'll take from it to cover it. But there was this idea of just doing more. And um, Black Lives Matter happened. I started to look at ways where I can connect people together, especially doing Black Lives Matter. So I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to go across the country 
and just meet up with people and groom dogs, learn some stuff, or give back some of the great things that I have learned during the years. And I've been extremely successful overall in the last five years before everything. So I was like, you know what? I need to find a way to do that. So I sat down with one of my good friends. I was like, hey, I want to go to different places and how far. She was like, let's rebrand it. Let's call it the Puppy Tour. Let's put up a GoFundMe and let's tell people that we're willing to offer free grooming services around New York for free. And then if that goes well, we can do something like maybe across the country. So I put it up. I reached out to my groomer friends and I don't know where we had 20 people who were interested, like, hey, we want to help. We want to support. I'm like, oh. And then we had the CNN article that came out. We raised $22,000 just like that. Um, I was like, this is real. I need to do more. So um, from there, we just had a whole bunch of African-American groomers who wanted to leave a name, wanted to connect, to let people know, like, hey, we're African-Americans and we love groomers and we can groom dogs and we, we service animals just the same way as our white counterparts. And at that moment, it was just such an impactful moment where people just wanted to support us. And I just took it and I ran with it. Um, so far, you know, this year we opened it up. We have all type of race um, are part of the tour. We, we have, we've already got over 90 people that have been part of the tour. And we groomed over 1,461 1, dogs. And we've been to 12 states already. And we raised over $75,000. And my, my plan is just to continue raising money so we can still do more tours and, and just find new ways to connect people to animals, give back. And have fun doing it. You know, what the groomers are doing now is that they are learning from each other and they're building lifelong friendship mm. through the tour. And I love that. I can imagine how that would be really inspiring to see people from across the country coming together for a common cause and purpose, uh, you know, in especially in the, the, the niche world of grooming, right? That doesn't usually get mm-hmm. a lot of spotlight in it. No, of course uh, and, not. <laughs> and to have a lot of people involved, you know, each each along that stage, you mentioned a few times you wanted to do more. You wanted to do more. What what was it that drove you to do more at each step and not just go, uh, maybe we'll just keep it to New York. And, and <laughs> Because it was saving me. Yeah. That's why. I have put in my heart, sweat, and tears into this business for, since 2013. I mean, I was a partner at 2010. I started this business when I was 26. You know, I'm 38. I sacrificed a lot. I, I got divorced. I, I lost so many. I sacrificed. I, I missed, missed so much, you know, birthday parties, family marriages, and, you know, people died. So, like, this business, it's me. So, if I was sitting here looking at my business, losing 90% of it, and then um, in this apartment, not knowing I, can, I can't do what I love to do, I think I would have been in a really dark place because I was getting there. So it saved me. That's why I needed to do more. And I'm an Aries. We never, we never, there's no stop when we do things. We go all the way. We go to, we don't go. So that, that's what it was. When it, it, it saved me. So it did more for me, connecting with people, meeting people through my journey than anything else. That's why I wanted to do more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it, it, it was very, very personal to you, right? Is that is that yeah. is that's what it means? Mm-hmm. It's it's personal. You yeah. were able to see and help others succeed uh, when maybe mm-hmm. you you weren't busy or things were going on as well. So it's like I've got to do yeah. something. This is something that yeah. I can do and, and and invest in. And I was good at it. So yeah. that's yeah. what it was. Well, so where mm-hmm. can it, it's called the Pup Relief Tour? Where can people go yeah. to learn more about it and donate and help out? Yeah. Yeah, the website is still there. We're pretty active on Instagram. We're about to actually release a lot of content through Instagram for the next few months. Um, you know, we can, we can go to GoFundMe page if you want to donate. Uh, whatever amount you want to donate helps. Um, and um, just look out. I mean, we plan to do more tours. We're probably done for this year. But next year, um, you know, I thought like, maybe I shouldn't do nothing for next year. But I'm, there's just a renewed focus on it. And we have so many people who want to help that's been part of this tour. 
And I, I really, I don't want it to be Brian thing. I want it to be a community thing. So I'm excited about it. You've been through so much as you just relayed in the past 11 mm-hmm. years of business and, and everything that you've been going through. What, mm-hmm. what, ke- what kept you, what kept you going through those tough wow. times? It's my clients. It's my clients and the dogs. My clients, I've seen, I've, I have witnessed so much from them. And that, they're, they're, some of them have become family. You know, when I get married one day, they're going to be there with their dogs. I, <laughs> I, that's one. And then it's the dogs, man. And like some of these dogs that are so impactful in our lives and they touch us in so many different ways. So, um, it's that, you know, it's my staff. Like I have gotten some really great staff, some bad ones too. <laughs> I've been sued. I've been everything, but, um, it's the staff. I think that it's all of that. And then lastly, it's the fact that I feel like I haven't worked since I left banking. Um, I'm in a good place. I have a business that I can recreate and transform, reinvent, and do so much fun things with all the time. So these are all multi-level and depending on how I feel a day, each of them have its own reasons why I still do this. I think that's really critical when we talk about understanding our why in business, that we actually mm-hmm. have multiple of them. You've got kind of like, as you talk about yeah. the importance of multiple revenue streams for the business, having multiple whys to pull from in good times and mm-hmm. in bad, so that you always mm-hmm. have a, a, a well that is supplying you with motivation to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You just never know. Every day is different. So they could be like, man, I grew this dog and I love it. So this is the reason why I still grew. But tomorrow could be, oh my God, this this story really touches this client's heart. Yeah. This is the reason why. So it varies. Depending on what's going on, it really varies what makes you be in business. I mean, it's, it's the last thing is the money. But the money is also a tool. You know, it makes me do and the things that I like to do, you know? You mentioned that you've got dreams of, of growing and expanding into the future. Where, where do you see yourself in another 11 years? And I think on top, on top of that, where do you, what do you hope the grooming industry looks like? In the next 11 years, um, I know I'll be working with dogs. I think my capacity is teaching and educating. I really see that's the part. I've been trying to jump into it. And I'll jump into it a little bit, then I'll jump out. But I just, I want people to witness what I have witnessed and what type of success I have. So it's to definitely encourage more African-Americans to get into this industry and see, you know what? You can make sixty dollars to $100,000 a year doing something you love at the highest level possible. Um, I think thought leadership, I've been really moving in that thought leadership concept where I'm creating content and I'm also helping people and educating the next group of, you know, pandemic pet parents or people who just want a wealth and information in one area. Um, Fastly, I would say, um, when I think of the property tour, I think of like Anthony Bardot traveling around the country, traveling around the world, you know, grooming dogs, talking about how dogs has impacted people's lives and being able to share those moments with people about their dogs. So I think like these are ways where um, I can add the most value. A lot of impact coming down the pipes. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way. So that's I, I definitely see the grooming world as, especially in the pet industry and in, in general, just the aspect of grooming. I see it changing and growing. I've seen creating a lot of jobs. I've seen helping a lot of people um, do what they love. Well, a lot of our listeners are most of our listeners are actually actually pet sitters, and so I, I would like to ask you, what can mm-hmm. we do? What can we do as pet sitters to help our clients' dogs be? be better at the groomer for you so you don't you guys don't have such a such a rough time with them like i always say that pet groomers are the bridge between the 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 vet and the reason why i say that is that most of the time when we analyze this fur and we look at different things there was like hey 
this wasn't there last time, or this smells really bad in the ears, or this looks super impacted in the rear. Like we're giving you guys clues of things that you haven't seen. And then you can make that personal decision. Should I have my vet take a look at it? And sometimes some of these stuff are just home remedies that we can do that would save you some money. Same thing as pet sitters. See, I'm also a pet sitter. When mm-hmm. you look at it in a big scope, I'm not just a groomer. You know, I'm a professional animal handler. I, I care and I take care of animals in all aspects. So your dog's not eating like, oh, you know what? This food right here that you fed your dog, I see that your dog scratches a lot. Oh, I see. Oh, I'm starting to see things on the, on the skin, you know? Oh, you know what? Your dog, your dog feels very uncomfortable with all this mat. You know, he needs to see a groomer. So if we all just take the responsibility and just focus on animal health, animal care, I think we all can educate the pet parent in a way that, you know, it's so important to maintain proper diet. It's so important to maintain regular routine. And it's so important to take good care of your animal. Because at the end of the end of the, the whole thing is about animal care and health. Mm. that's what it is so if you care about animals as a pet sitter you should know a little bit about pet grooming and you should be able to advise your clients to get your dog on a regular schedule or that doodle needs to get regularly brushed you know what i mean (laughs) so like these are the things that we all can tap in and help and the reason i said earlier too that pet groomers are usually the the one that gets the wealth of knowledge most veterinarians don't give any advice on pet grooming or anything else. They'd be like, oh, we yeah, we know there's two groomers on the street. Go check them out. Which I think that's not really the right way. It should be like, you know what? As your vet, I recommend this dog gets on some type of grooming schedule because if anything comes up, I know those groomers can reach out to you and tell you, and then you can bring your dog in. That's what it needs to be. It has to be a center of referral where we respect each business um, areas, but at the same time, we support every single business. Yeah, growing that community, growing that, as you said, support, and, and knowing exactly. knowing who's there and who to reach out to, who and understanding where people are coming from, where their expertise is, what's, what experiences mm-hmm. they've had. And that just gets down to, to knowing who they are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I honestly believe that, like, you know, I have vets that I work with. I have groomers that I work with. I have pesticides that I work with. And I have dog walkers that I work with because I can't do all of it. So I have this central referral that I give out to people that I trust and I know their business. Brian, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show no today worries. and sharing you with so your, your experience and all of the stuff that you've got going on and encouraging us to build that. Uh, the, those connections in that community. Uh, but I know that mm-hmm. there's a lot more that people are going to have connections, yeah. have questions with or pick your brain on. I so <laughs> how can people get connected with you and follow along with everything that you're, you're working on? Man, I'm actually going to start tapping into clubhouse again, but they can always go to dark father Harlem um, and just send me a DM and I'll reach out that way. I think, or you can send me dark father Harlem at Gmail and you can send me an email too. But, like the best, the fastest way is DMs on my my uh, social pages, and I'm trying to get back into Clubhouse. It's just the time; I just don't know when and how I'm going to get into Clubhouse. It it's a, it's a vacuum for sure. You really have to schedule that, <laughs> schedule yeah. that for sure. But I'll I'll have links to um, everything that we've talked about in the show yeah, notes and on our website, I so people can it. can click right to that. So Brian, again, this has been. Just tremendously fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it for having me. Thanks, God, we were able to do it. <laughs> do you, KYC, know your customer? That language has stuck with me ever since I had my conversation with Brian. And it really has us thinking, do we really know the people that we're serving? Do we know them so well that we can know when they're going to need service or we can get ahead of them on expectations and be one step ahead to solving the problems that they come to us with? 
When we're at that level and operating our business so in sync and tune with our clients, that's when we really do hit our stride and we're able to then expand and build out those sticky services like Brian talked about and then build out from there and build our packages so that yes, we know and have more predictable income, but also so that we can do a one-click solution for our customers and for our clients so that they don't have to worry about things moving forward. So let us know who your customer is and how you meet their needs before they know they need them met. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you for listening this week. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And we'll be back again soon. Yeah.